Greetings to all. We hope that everyone is doing well in the pandemic. We welcome all to the eighth report episode by the business cluster of Amishakapatnam. In today's episode, we have with us Mr. Rishikesh Vikulkarni. Rishikesh Kulkarni in his current engagement works with the IDFC First Bank as Vice President Customer Experience for Sharing Consumer Insights. He is a customer-centric expert for the past 17 years, having helped brands drive a customer-centric culture across the organization by unlocking the power of analytics for data-driven decision-making. Over a decade, Sir has been pursuing his passion to teach MBA students as a visiting faculty for marketing specialization. He is also an author to various articles which have been published for different magazines. A very warm welcome to our podcast, sir. Thank you for sparing time from your busy schedule, and we are extremely delighted to have you with us. Hello, everyone. My pleasure to be on this podcast, and I'm sure that the students will see a lot of value in what we speak for the next 15-20 minutes. Thank you, sir. We will begin with our first question. Can you share your experiences on your professional life spanning over 15 plus years? years till vice president in consumer experience in IDFC First Bank. Right, right. Uh, well, uh, to start with, uh, I did my BSc in mathematics. That's a graduation in mathematics. And I would say that's where actually I picked up the data skills, you know, a lot of data at the graduation level. And uh, somehow that trained me to look at the patterns as well as some of the trends in the data. Uh, having said that, that's where my interest was, and hence the obvious choice was to look at doing a MMS that is equivalent to an MBA from Mumbai University in marketing. And I paid special attention to, I would say, operation research, research methodology, marketing research. Uh, very clear that once I get into the corporate world, these skills uh, or these techniques of you know uh, analyzing consumer behavior will come handy. And in the last uh, I would say 15 plus years, I have worked in the markets of India, Singapore, and Malaysia. Something that I saw, uh, which came very handy uh, in my career was the choice of having learned SPS as a statistical package. Little dated now, but, but very much uh, in the, I would say, <laughs> line of fire when I was uh, graduated and masters in 2004. Typically, I could understand that in my career, what we learn is that we look at, you know, making some hypothesis, having data to test it, run a lot of analytics with the help of tools. And I'm going to touch more upon that as we talk and then looking at insights. So as you rightly said, you know, the power of data, it's much, much higher than just going by sheer judgment of five, six high profile board of directors or chairmen. Yeah? So, so that's where I have spent most of my time. We have been able to also link it back to a, ROI. So if I'm doing some campaign and let's say post the campaign, I understand that my awareness level of a brand or a consideration of a brand was X. It has gone up to X plus 10%. And hence the X amount of crores that has spent on a particular campaign, what has it been in terms of the reach? How many people have seen it more frequently, more than once? How many people recall it? And they're associated with the right brand. Yeah. So the power of uh, data in that sense makes complete inputs into decision-making at a strategic level. So I would, I would say to sum up what you asked me, right from as a student learning data to implementing those practices in the corporate world has been a really exciting journey for me. Right, right. Thank you, sir. That was very well put. So, sir, <laughs> how much we can rely on data-driven decision-making to enhance customer experience? 
Well, uh, I would say it a, a lot, and I, I will I will tell you why. Uh, one being that, as I said, you know, something that needs to be measured in terms of an impact or in terms of a return on investment or ROI, uh, we need real facts data, right? A manager needs to have that data on themselves. If I talk about particularly not marketing, but in fact, customer experience, then the cost of one, retaining the customer that we read everywhere is much, much, I would say lesser than acquiring a new customer, right? There's a lot of, um, I would say efforts and costs that go into acquiring a new customer, onboarding them, making them comfortable with your brand, your processes, your interaction or touch points. In contrast, a customer that is already with you and you give them a better customer experience, they are going to be serviced at a much lesser, lesser cost, at a much lesser tag, which is the turnaround time. So what happens is in the domain of customer experience, at least I have seen, we look at a, a model, which is a continuous model, something like you measure, you act on it, and then you kind of measure again in terms of trying to understand what actions you have done have been you know, fruitful. Let me take a simple example to drive the point here. Yeah? Let, let, one of the studies that we did for a life insurance company and uh, the, the, I would say, pain areas or the pain voices of the customer was across the waiting time at the branch. Yeah? This was much, much higher than any of the competition or the industry average. So what did we do with the power of data? First, we did some kind of operational studies with the help of a stopwatch actually trying to understand how much time does a customer really wait when they go to the offline branches, yeah? How many customers are present? How many service executives are there? All that, I mean, I'm just touching upon <laughs> at a, a 10,000 view, but, but all these metrics went into then understanding where was the delay. Having understood that, then we looked at doing some kind of changes to the service design, to the design of the floor, introducing a token system, a lot of things so that they don't have to wait. Now, I might be satisfied just as a manager saying, wow, I've done my job. But that's where the power of data comes into picture. After three months, we did a hybrid approach of a mystery shopping where, let's say, people like you and me who, who act as a real-life customer go to the branch and say, I have a service request. I want to change my address. I want to top up my premium. How much time would it take? That was measured again with the stopwatch. And these were kind of mystery audits or mystery shopping as it is called. And that gave me one level of data. The second level of data after three months was we actually did an exit interview with some of the customers saying that how much time did you have to be waited till you were, uh, I would say, addressed with a service executive. Was the wait time good? Was the token system working, et cetera, et cetera. Different parameters at the level one, level two. Now, these two metrics coming from the, I would say, how much of adherence is to the SOPs, which is the standard operating procedures coming from the mystery shopping, as well as some key indices and metrics coming from the CSAT, which is the customer satisfaction across different attributes, did prove that not only did the wait time go down, but the satisfaction levels went up. The, I would say, confidence in the brand when after having waited one-fifth of the time, and meeting the service executive went up. So you don't have a customer which is agitated, whereas a customer who is now looking at, okay, they're going to service me faster. Yeah. So that's one example that is very striking in my mind when it comes to something like how data is useful. Yeah. Let me take one more example. Uh, this is more from a 
churn prediction study. Yeah, we all know what is churn. Churn means nothing but you leave a brand X and you go to a brand Y. So we had, in fact, looked at a churn prediction study for a telecom company. Let me just tell you how we went about and how the data, as you rightly said, is important for a CX or a customer experience kind of a metric. So here, we looked at a data for almost a year. Let's, let me take a simple example. Let's say from Jan to December 2020, I look at customers who have paid an average bill. It's called ARPU, pronounced RPU, of course, we all know in, in terms of the telecom sector. And we looked at a couple of metrics. One, what is the average spend that they do every month on month? How many times have they called up the call center for any request, complain? query in the last one year, yeah? The same customer, I'm just plotting data one after the other. Just think of it as a master Excel sheet and every column I'm adding with a lot of tons of data, yeah? This is all coming, by the way, from CRM. I have not even gone to the customer, yeah? I'll come to that in the phase two. Phase one, I'm getting all the data like number of times called to the customer, number of times complain, number of times change my pack. Did I go up from a 200 rupees per month to a 250 or did I reduce it from 300 to rather 250, yeah? I study all that. And then what I do is with the help of a feedback mechanism, which is real time, every month to all the set of customers, I'm sending out a survey. Yeah? It's an online survey. Quick questions. No more we talk about the 30 minutes offline surveys which go on. This is a quick, shorter version. Let's say a five-question survey. Yeah? 30 seconds, you can answer it from your mobile phone. The browser opens. You get a link there. There. You press the submit button, the data is with me. Now, what do I do with the data? In this data, we ask them just three questions, actually. One, would you like to recommend this brand to your colleagues or to your friends, which is globally known as the, the ultimate question, or the NPS, which is net promoter score. All those who have given me a zero to six, I say they're going to spread a negative word of mouth on a scale of zero to 11, or a zero to 10, 11 point scale I meant. And hence, they are detractors. So give me a 9 and 10 of promoters. So what did we do? First, we tried to find out which of these customers are consistent detractors. So right from Jan to December, I get their ratings every month. I see that they have been negative in terms of their word of mouth. Now I trace back to the CRM data, which was the phase one. And I try to understand if the spends are going down. Is it that they have been little finicky as customers and they're calling more of the call center? Now that's one, a waste of time for them. And for me, because I have to have resources to service them. Third, I see whether what I said, it's upward trend in terms of their uh, paying the average monthly bill or is it right now a downward trend? With that, we could determine who are the consistent detractors and at the same time, their complaints are going up or their average revenue is dropping. So we got a core set of customers who are very likely to churn out. Next step, so this is just identifying, yeah? Data identified as just is nothing, I'm just measuring it. I have to act on it, I have to take some action for the impact. Now comes the phase three, which is the act. So what we did, we went back to these customers or we kind of read the open-end verbatims that they had given out of those three questions in the questionnaire saying, why, do, why are they saying this? What are the pain point areas? What are the concern areas? We did a root cause analysis from the system. If it is TAT related, who's responsible? Which department? 
not to point out fingers, but to get the next action steps. So from the churn prediction data, uh, we could really identify, let's say 3% of the entire base is quite positively disposed towards leaving you in the next three months or six months, which was forecasted. And these are the root cause analysis. One, try to fix them up by doing some service interventions, or if not, at least send them some marketing campaigns which are very relevant to them and we could arrest the churn happening and rather see that their average revenue per user goes up. So all I'm trying to say is by taking these two examples of a insurance company or a telecom, I mean, both are very different, right? One is trying to reduce the time, the other is trying to arrest the churn. We are using ultimately the power of, I would say, data to drill down into it, understand why something is happening, give them a solution and then measure it again after the three months saying, am I in the right direction? If I am, is it a 2% increment? Is it a 5%? What more should I do? Yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's how I would rather look at it. Thank you, sir. It was really insightful. So Thank just you, you gave example of two industries over here. So our next question is on a similar front, like what parameters sure. are contemplated when any new financial product are derived or devised using analytics? Great, great. I understand. So what I would suggest is that if I'm looking at any new product or services, yeah, and say products less services because it's financial services, I just said, uh, well, firstly, the data helps me to beautifully segment the market. Yeah. Earlier, if you understand, I mean, we all are marketing students and we have learned about STP, you know, the segmenting, targeting, positioning. But when it comes to a lot of data that I already have, I'm able to segment them better. So one of the, I would say, banking client that we had worked with, me and my team, we looked at a couple of aspects. You know, We actually got the permission to map it back with their some of their Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn accounts. And, and this was done on a smaller base, not the entire base as we did it for, let's say, the churn prediction model. And we tried to understand what is it that the customer is saying? What are their media habits like? What do they do in their free time? What do they watch on Netflix versus pre-pandemic? This was done pre-pandemic. So which movies do they use to see? At which theater? What magazines? Yeah. So we actually created three personas which were very strikingly different, naming them persona one, two, three. And we, we kind of drill down completely into first understanding whether they are tech savvy, whether they are more financially savvy or whether they are risk averse. So all these helped us understand what personas exist in the market, extrapolated to the population of India or more of the banking population, you get a number yeah, of customers who are within that domain. So having done that, we understood hence what I'm trying to say, is what are their expectations from a banking brand? What do they expect? If I'm able to, I would say, deliver on that expectation, it's a great job, right? If you are meeting the needs of that consumer. So that's what we looked at. To be honest, we also looked at some of their, those customers who were banking with us already, what have been their past communication history with us, which comes from emails they have written to us, which comes from whatever the wealth manager or RM records after every meeting, you know, saying these were the notes with the customer or they must have written something on social media. All this was looked at and hence we, we kind of tried to understand for every segment, uh, let me say persona one, XYZ expectation, living in metros, this particular age group, this is the disposable income, which particular product would be best fitting, as you said, you know, from the financial space. 
Uh, one word of caution, sometimes there are challenges. I don't want to pose a very rosy picture. The challenges also exist because, as I said, it's a sample. Yeah? On basis of that, I'm extrapolating to the entire banking population. One, is that done rightly? Second, is the entire base of population in Excel accessible, but in real life, can I approach them? Can I meet them? Can I make sale to them? And a more challenge is that this data is spread across different touch points. As I said, it's across Facebook, across Twitter, across LinkedIn. What is the common connecting ground to get it all in one place? You know, there is no unified format. Yeah? What I'm trying to say, data is very much in silos. So, so those are some challenges also, yeah, as I said. But if you, if you work around it, put in your great thoughts, then you are able to deliver products that suit the market very well. Yeah. Yes, so thank you so much. Right, uh, right. So, so like we are aware the last year is being, since last year, things are very uncertain. So how consumer behavior changed during the COVID times and like, could it be captured using data analytics? Oh, well, of course it could be. And I think you have made a very important point. I mean, the timing is great saying that, you know, what has happened because of the COVID or because of lockdown in particular areas, restriction on different things. Uh, before I jump quickly into the answer, what I would rather say is, let's understand as students uh, what changes have happened here. Yeah? The very first change that I see is there is a rise of more of being healthy and sustainability conscious. Yeah? So that's a theme that I have picked up, you know, saying that, how can I do that? What is the answer to it? There are a lot of companies now who have started with the consumer taking their mobile phone to the shop or even online, there is a QR code, they scan it, or there's a link to it uh, because we are in the digital world. And soon you are able to get all the product information. What are the ingredients in it? Is it really organic? Is it vegan? Yes, no. To what extent? Is it compliant with some of the procedures or rules set down? What are the substances that go to it? Can I compare the product across the product line, across competition, look at the, uh, I would say the price over there very much. So that's the first point that we need to understand what change has happened to post, I would say, or during COVID. The second point or the second theme to focus on is increase individualism. Yeah? Highly individualistic, I would say customers, their lifestyles and behaviors have been impacted. This has been shown on their demographic trends also. Hence, we need to first understand what are they. So if I'm a FMCG company, what is it? If it is a banking, what change in that impact it has been? Some of the points because I see is that they are making choices more on basis of, let's say, something is not adding value to me, let me outsource. Yeah, Consumers are doing that. I want something real-time, quick, and on the go. Or I want to consume something at my pace 24 by 7. So if I were to look at the theme and these two, three points that I'm saying, I as a marketer will have to take into fact that this is how it has changed. Yeah? The second thing, or rather the third thing that I would touch upon is that there is an increased use of mobile apps. Right? It was not so much the case, but everybody is home, connected to high-speed Wi-Fi, smartphones in hand. There are a lot of changes. So what changes for a consumer? What the consumer wants to see, hence, is a better UI, UX, user interface, user experience of those apps. It's not only customer experience. It's about the experience there. 
they want to be seen how can they use that app better without much of pictures without i mean it has to be a very seamless experience if i want to know about a brand i know about it now i'm going to take the pains of downloading the app make my quick search about the product or service i want pay for it sign out and then it gets delivered if it's a physical thing or if it's something like a let's say netflix or a kindle i've downloaded the book i'm going to read it right now yeah so your companies what they have started doing is because of what i spoke earlier the segmentation and personas they look at some of the customer with a high clv value customer lifetime value and they see to it are the expectations any different or those who are not so premium in the system what products or services could be pushed with the help of data to make them a premium customer so that i can one see they are bonded to my brand as well as the other part is that they would keep on doing repeat purchases yeah so so those are some of the themes that i would say uh, just to quickly recap uh, more of rise of health conscious and sustainability conscious consumers i would say the increase individualism part and increase use of mobile apps as well as social media yeah so let's first take cognizance of the fact and then we can design better products yeah thank you so much sir so this right. link to uh, like what advice would you like to give to students who are aspiring to take decision science and analytics fields as a career and what tools which are being currently used in industries which could be handy for students oh well i'm glad you asked me this is a very interesting question uh as you said in my introduction i teach at different management college and this is the question that i get asked almost every week yeah so one thing i would i would request all students to understand and in fact they go a step ahead and they ask me what is better is hadoop better or r you know for analyzing data and i always tell them look these are tools right i started my career with spss then came convert maybe then you have hadoop r jupiter so many so don't get carried away these are nothing but these are tools what a person uh, has to look at when they let's say he or she is analyzing data is not these tools but rather what is expected from fresh managers yeah so the first thing that is expected is more to do with data insights and measurement skills so those should be in place not more to do with the tools yeah if you master that what i'm trying to say is you master the act of storytelling there is a data different places there is a volume variety etc how do i master it make use of the tool and not become slave to the tool run the data because i want some meaningful outputs from it get the insights and then tell the right story what next to the client or if you are a client utilize it yourself so that's the first thing i would say second is communication skills very important doesn't come from data analytics but if you are not able to articulate what you are saying in terms of the storytelling becomes difficult for the non analytical background or the cfo or the hr person to understand in an organization yeah i would also say there should be a lot of focus and determination because looking at tons of data i am making it sound like a churn prediction study very simple but it's not yeah it requires a lot of running rerunning seeing how much confidence you have in the data is the model right no i need to rework on one more parameter add one parameter so there needs to be a lot of focus and a determination and lastly i would say a data analyst or a mba marketing or a data expert analytics expert should always keep their eye on the roi if i am doing something is my organization going to benefit in any way 
by increasing either the return on investment, having a better customer who's satisfied, or a customer who's loyal, or he or she is an advocate of the brand and sends a positive word in the future. Yeah. So that's what I would tell students rather than focusing on tools, focus on the storytelling part. Thanks a lot, sir. I'm sure that right. this would be definitely help the students. Sure. My pleasure. So this brings us to the end of the podcast. So right. from the ways, I'm sure the students will be able to apply these learning in their life. So on that note, once again, I thank you very much, sir, for taking out your time for our podcast. Thank you to all our listeners. Have a good day and stay safe. We see you in the next episode of ePod. Thank you all. Thank you.